Hey, good morning, everybody. Glad you're here. Let's stand up, worship the Lord together. Express our gratefulness to God for all he's done, all he's given. Here we go. Thank you. 
glad you guys are here. We'll continue in worship. We'll sing No Sweeter Name with my wife singing.
thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to come to church uh, to give you first and foremost before we receive anything today. We give you our gratefulness. That's why we opened up with a song that we give thanks for all that you've done. God, I hope you hear that every day we wake up. God, that we um, take mindful perspective of looking back to see how you've moved and to see where you've been. So many of us come with lots of stuff and it begs a question, what do we know for sure? God, we know for sure that you've been there. We know for sure that you've been there in the past. We know for sure that you've done some amazing things. God, you are so amazing. You're a great God. And thank you for uh, Jesus. Thank you that we could sing about the one who has saved our soul, the one who's made it so we could have life eternal. And Holy Spirit, this uh, third of the this trinity, this mysterious three in one, God, we ask for your continued presence through your spirit today that would be made manifest. God, that you would do that thing that seems impossible, that you would do that thing in our lives where uh, we see you and we experience you in a way where we were like, I had no idea that was coming right around the corner. I had no idea. It just kind of hit me in the face. I hope we have moments like that today. I hope we can leave here in an hour and say, uh, God, I'll remember that for a long time. So that's our heart, God. Would you bless us today as we continue in worship in your name? Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. So glad you're here. I'm Billy. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and it's a pleasure to lead you in worship today uh, and to help you uh, just sing your hearts out to God. It's awesome. Love this stuff. So glad you're here. Um, just for a minute, we do this thing called the meet and greet. Be nice to introverts. Uh, turn around. Say hi to somebody around you. We'll see you back in a second. Thank you. Good morning, Hopevale. How are you today? <laughs> Some of you are not awake. This is great. We do have coffee right outside if you need it. Uh, my name is Brent. I'm the student pastor here. I've got a couple of announcements for you if you don't mind, but this is such a great morning to be a part because a week ago today, a week ago, we kicked off all of our student ministries and kids ministries at Hopevale, which is exciting news, and this is your cue to like clap. Yes, yes. Makes me feel better. Thank you. Uh, we were able to kick off all sorts of things, and I just want to give you an announcement of, of all the things that are happening here at Hopevale Church, both in Saginaw and in Bay City, uh, and we also do some things at our old campus, the old one, our south campus over on Shattuck Road, uh, which is our Saginaw Ministry Center, but there's so many fun things happening, uh, whether it's from kids' ministry to preteen, if your fourth, fifth, or sixth grader wants to go to their own service, that actually runs right now, or all the way to students, which is our youth programs, which run from six to eight o'clock at night. We would love to see your students out there because we're kicking off the series Mountain View and all these fun things are happening. But last week we had a tailgate that was unbelievably fun. We had about 150 students there, which was unbelievably crazy. Uh, and we were turning parents around in the parking lot. We had a traffic jam, which I apologize. We'll work on that. Uh, but it was worth it. Uh, so we just want to invite you guys to know some of the cool things that are happening. And, and at this tailgate, we were able to secure Kona Ice, the food truck, to come in and give us Kona Ice, which I don't even know, it's like shaved ice deliciousness is what it is. Um, and it's because of your guys' generosity we were able to do that. 
Like you see, uh, our budget in student ministries is directly affected by, by our generosity moments and you guys' offering. And not just that, but there are people who give in generosity with their time. There are people who give with their talents, with their resources and their finances that help make all things student ministries happen. So we want to say thank you to all of you who are out there that do that. And also, if you're interested at all in getting involved in some student ministry, kids ministry, college ministry, welcome desk, any of it, we would love to meet with you. If this is your first week, we'd also love to meet with you. Right outside, right behind this wall, there's a desk, our welcome desk. We have a little gift for you if it's your first time. And either way, we would just love to chat about how you can maybe take your next step in your generosity, whether it's with your time, talents, or resources. At this point, we'd love to invite the ushers up, and we're going to take offering. And an offering for us at Hopevale, this is a sign of obedience, as God asks us to trust us with, his, with our finances so that we can follow his will in our lives. And so this is just a small thing that we do to, to walk in obedience with God. Uh, and so we're going to just elevate that for this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. Uh, we thank you for all of the rain and all of the sun and all of these good fall days we're all looking forward to. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the, the people in this room and the people that aren't in this room. Uh, maybe they're in Bay City or maybe they're watching online or whatever. Um, we thank you for their, their sacrifice and their obedience to you. Uh, we thank you that they give of their time, their talents, and their resources so that we can continue to bring the gospel to, the, to this area, to the Great Lakes Bay region. And Lord, we thank, you that, uh, we thank you that we have the opportunity to praise your name and to worship you in a building with freedom. And we can't, we can't thank you enough. In your name, amen.
for some people that was super hard to sing to pour out their praise because life may just be really hitting pretty hard for some of us man that's what we've been waiting to do to come to church and just holler out from the top of our lungs how much we love you and wherever we are in between God would you continue to meet us here today we ask your blessing as a church on Pastor Dan. You've given us an amazing man that 
sits and meets with you in the quiet in the week and says, God, what would you have for your people? And so, Lord, you've spoken to him, and now speak to us, we pray. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, we all say it together. Good morning, everyone. What a wonderful morning of worship it is to share with you here in Saginaw and you too in Bay City. Hey, want to welcome you. Thanks for joining us as well. I'm Dan Davis, a senior pastor here. And if you were with us last Sunday, we took a look back and we marked our 60th anniversary as a church, which was September 13th, 1959. And we celebrated God's faithfulness to us as a community of grace and truth. But this week and in the weeks to come, we're going to look ahead because today we are beginning a new seven-week message series simply entitled Life. Life with a capital L. And to kick things off, I thought I would start with a story. I came across this years ago from a sports columnist by the name of Rick Riley, and it's an article entitled, Why Are We Here? Why are we here? This is what he writes. So we're lying on our backs, on the grass, in the park, next to our hamburger wrappers, my 14-year-old son and I, watching the clouds loiter overhead when he asked me, Dad, why are we here? So this is what I said. I thought a lot about it, son. I don't think it's all that complicated. I think maybe we're just here to teach a kid how to bunt, to turn two, to eat sunflower seeds without using his hands. We're here to pound the steering wheel and scream as we listen to the game on the radio 20 minutes after we pulled into the garage. Sounds like last Sunday in the end of the Lions game, right? Yes. We're here to look all over the golf course, to give up, and then to find the ball in the hole. We're here to shoot a six-point elk and finally get the F-stop right, or to tie the perfect fly, make the perfect cast, catch absolutely nothing, and still call it a perfect morning. We're here to nail a yield sign with an apple core half a block away. We're here to win the stuffed bear at the carnival or go broke trying. I don't think the meaning of life is gnashing our bicuspids over what comes after death, but tasting all the tiny moments that come before it. We're here to be the coach when Wendell, the one whose glasses always fog up, finally makes the only perfect backdoor pass all season. We're here to be there when our kid has three goals and an assist, and especially when he doesn't. 
And on and on he goes with other sports and life examples like that. But then he lands the plane with these words. None of us are going to find ourselves on our deathbed saying, dang, I wish I spent more time on the Hibbings account. No, we're going to say that scar. I got that scar in summer league softball games, stealing a home run from consolidated plumbers. See, grown-ups, we spend so much time doggedly slaving toward the better car, the perfect house, the big day that will finally make them happy. When happy just walked by with a bicycle helmet two sizes too big for them. We're not here to find a way to heaven. The way is heaven. Does that answer your question, son? It's quite a lot, isn't it? Well, then his son said, no, not really, dad. And I said, no. No, his son replied. What I meant was, why are we here still at the park when mom said we were supposed to pick her up 40 minutes ago? (laughs) Why are we here? Humorous story indeed, and maybe if you're a parent, you've actually found yourself in conversations like that before. But even if you haven't, this original question at its core still rings true for all of us, doesn't it? Why are we here? Why are you, why am I, on this earth at this time? Why do we even exist in the first place? What is the the meaning and the purpose for our lives? You ever ask a question like that? I bet you have. I do, but I also bet it's probably one you've only asked yourself and you've never really discussed with other people. Now, most of our conversations usually hover around questions like, what are you doing this weekend? How's the weather? And did you see the game? Things like that. Not bad, not wrong, just safe. Safe questions, unlike those deeper and more dangerous questions like, why am I here? Well, I want us to begin to tackle that question today because if there is any place where we should try to make sense of our lives, it should be at church, right? It should be at church, Which leads me to another question I want to ask you. Have you ever wondered why we even ask questions like that in the first place? Questions like, why are we here? What's the purpose of my life? I mean, why do we even ask questions like that in the first place? Where do those come from? Why do we even think about things like that? I mean, not to get too deep and too philosophical here, but if we're just a bunch of highly evolved physical creatures who spend a certain amount of years on this earth and pass away, why would we even bother with a question like that in the first place. Is it, like the sports writer suggested, just about enjoying the moments and being content with that? Or is there something else? Is there something more going on with us? Well, I think there is. And I think that also asking questions like, why are we here, comes from a very deep place. It comes from these three essential realities in life. Three essential realities in life that are true for every single one of us, whether we acknowledge them or not. Three essential realities, here they are. There is a God, you have a soul, both are eternal. There is a God, you have a soul, both are eternal. Now we don't see them, I can't prove them, But we all have those moments in life when we cannot deny them. We can't. 
Listen, I know we've got all kinds of different people here, right? Ranging the spectrum from the devout Christian to the skeptical agnostic. And I get that, and I want to respect where everyone's at today. But you know what? I'm going to go to my grave believing that every single person on the face of this planet, even you, has moments in their lives when something stirs within us that makes us wonder if there's more to this life than just this life, if there's more to life than just our bodily existence, if there's more to this life than just what our five senses can apprehend. So yes, you are a physical being with skin and bone and muscle and thought and feelings and emotion, but you're also a spiritual being. You are, and the thing about you that makes you, you, that that gives you worth and, and value and dignity is this invisible and eternal part of you called your soul. There is a God. You have a soul. Both are eternal. Now, we're not aware of this all the time. I get that, right? Life keeps us pretty busy and preoccupied, but even still, we have those flashes, don't we? We get these moments that science or logic or reason cannot fully explain. You know, I think of these words of wonder from King David in the Psalms, where upon reflecting on his own mortality, and he's thinking about questions like, why are we here? He looks up, and in Psalm 8, verse 3, verse 4, he says this. When I consider your, speaking of God, your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind? Who am I that you are mindful of them, the human beings that you care for them? Do you sense the awe? Do you feel the wonder? Have you had moments like that before? That gazing into the vastness of an endless night sky? David knows. He knows there is a God. You have a soul. Both are eternal. And the same King David, a ruler from ancient Israel around 3,000 years ago, had a similar wow moment. When he was reflecting upon the miracle of human birth, specifically his own human birth, So again, in the Psalms, from Psalm 139, verse 13, verse 14, David writes, For you, God, you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. I mean, David thinks about his very existence and he just knows that the almighty, eternal God is his creator, that he didn't just somehow show up on this planet by accident. What David says here, it's not pagan superstition, it's not blind religious faith either. No, these are the sincere and honest reflections of a fellow human being, right? Just like us, who is observing the world around him and allowing himself to believe. Related to that, I also think of the words of another David, contemporary New York Times columnist David Brooks, who tells the story of his friend Catherine Bly Cox, who, when her first daughter was born, came to this realization. She said, holding her daughter in her arms, I love this child more than evolution requires. (laughs) 
Isn't that great? I love this child more than evolution requires. I, I, have, I have these incredibly strong feelings for my daughter that science just cannot explain. Why? Because there is a God. You have a soul, and both are eternal. Now, don't get me wrong, right? Whether it's astronomy, biology, or any other scientific discipline like that, I do believe there is a place for science and research and exploration, right? And I believe that when both science and faith are done well, they can complement each other. They don't have to compete with each other where you're forced to have to choose between one and the other. But you know what? When it comes to probing the deepest questions of life, like we're talking about this morning, science has its limits. It does. And so if you are living your life standing squarely in the realm of science, demanding that you need proof for everything, it's not going to happen. It's not. I mean, I can't prove to you there is a God. I can't prove to you that you have a soul. I can't prove to you that there's such a thing as eternity. But then my challenge to you is, well, don't ignore those questions. Don't deny the stirrings. Don't hide behind the limits of your reason as if you're smart enough to figure all of life out yourself. So why are you here? Why do you exist? What is the meaning of your life? Well, if you really want to find some answers to those questions, then it starts by embracing these three essential and invisible realities that there is a God, you have a soul, both are eternal. Because everything else I'm going to talk about today from here on out is going to build on those three realities. Well, I'm going to pause for a minute because what we've been trudging through, I realize, pretty deep waters, right? And I appreciate your willingness to go there with me. I mean, I do. I mean, some of you are probably thinking, Pastor Dan, (laughs) I don't have anything left in the tank for something like this. You know this time of year, the house is a mess, the kids have started back to school. Their backpacks weigh a ton. And if I have to open them one more time and read another announcement sheet, order form, permission slip, you know, request for more school supplies, somebody is going to get hurt, right? (laughs) Listen, I've been there, I get that. But here's the beauty of what we're talking about today. That for those of you who are school-aged parents, who are trying to juggle all the back-to-school chaos, I'm trying to help you make sense of it all. To help get you to see that there really is meaning to your madness. The same is true for those college students here, right? Overwhelmed where classes three, four weeks into it, you know, have already, you know, just, just overwhelmed you. And you're feeling like you're already behind. Same is true for those of you who are plugging away at a job you don't like. Just trying to get by and paying the bills. Same is true for those of you whose nest is empty, whose career is over, and you're wondering if there's anything of real significance left for you to do. See, my point is this, as deep as those three essential realities are, they are universal, right? And they apply to all of us here today, regardless of the age and stage of life you're in. They bind us together in our differences. Why? Because simply we're human, that's why I love talking about these things with such a diverse, multi-generational group like you because it puts all of us on common ground. The common ground that there is a soul, that there is a God. We all have souls. Both are eternal. 
But even if you're willing to buy that, and when I say buy it, not just up here in your head, but also in here in your heart, where is that going to lead us in trying to answer those big questions of meaning and purpose? Like, why am I here? Well, it's at this point in the message where I'm going to play the pastor card. I'm going to play the pastor card and say that all these questions, the answers are found in Jesus. The answer is Jesus. The answer is Jesus, but not in the way you might think it is, especially if you're a longtime churchgoer. See, normally in a situation like this, you'd hear the pastor say something about Jesus and sin and the cross and the resurrection and belief and any other number of Christian words like those. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, those are all pure gold, right? They're at the heart of what is known as the gospel or the good news. But I'm not going to go there right now. No, I want to start at a place where one of Jesus' closest friends started. His name is John. John was part of Jesus' most inner circle for the last three plus years when Jesus walked this earth 2,000 years ago. John had a front row seat to the ministry, to the miracles of Jesus. And John got to know Jesus very personally and intimately. So years later, after Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension back to heaven, John felt led to write a biography of Jesus, what we know as the Gospel of John. But John, instead of starting at the time when Jesus' ministry began, like the Gospel writer Mark, or starting at Jesus' birth, like the Gospel writers Matthew and Luke do, no, John takes us back as far as you can go. As far as you, John takes us back all the way back to eternity past and the very beginning of existence that is well before the creation of the world and the creation of mankind, when all there was, was God. Now I know we can't even begin to make sense with these three-pound brains of ours of something existing before time, and yet if there is a God, if we do have a soul, if both indeed are eternal, this is where we have to start. This is where we have to start, and so that's where John starts, right? Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 1, and telling the story of Jesus, John writes this. In the beginning was the Word, speaking of Jesus, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And so right out of the blocks, John starts with those words that begin the Bible itself, Genesis 1, chapter 1, in the beginning. Trying to describe reality before creation, and in this he introduces us to the Son of God, who he identifies as the Word, who will later be born into this world as a time-bound human being known as Jesus of Nazareth. That in the very beginning, the pre-existent Word was there. He was there right from the start. Verse 3, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. You know, I mean, how can you make sense of the world? And how can you make sense of your own life without knowing something about the one who made it? So just like Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, or this upcoming movie about the Joker, you know, this is John giving us the prequel. He's giving us the origin story of the one we know as Jesus Way before 
He visits our planet. Verse 4, in him was life. There's our word. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There it is, our word. The title for our message series, Life with a capital L. And John goes on to tell us that this word, that this Jesus, when he came into the world, that in him was life, and this life was the light for all of mankind, for all time and every generation, including ours. A light, a brightness, a strength, a hope that is so powerful that not even the world's worst darkness or evil can overcome it. Why? Because the light of the creator, the one who created all things, is always going to be brighter. It's always going to be stronger than the darkness of any created thing. Always. See, this is what you and I need to know and believe and trust about Jesus. The story before the story. That he is God, that he is eternal, and that in him there is capital L, life for your soul. Life for the most precious part of who you are. And so when you can take hold of that, then you're well on your way in discovering the answers you're searching for and experiencing all that you're longing for most. In him was and still is life. And that life was and still is the light of all mankind, including you, including me. Now, I know I've talked about this from up front, but it bears repeating because it's so important for us to understand that when we think about this concept of life, back in Jesus' day, there were two different Greek terms that could be translated into our English word life, right? Greek being the language of the New Testament back in the first century written just after the time of Jesus. Two different terms. One term is the term bios, right? When we think of our English words, biology, biography, biochemistry, right? And bios life refers to our physical and bodily existence. Our heart is pumping, our blood is flowing, our brains are working. That's one way to talk about life, bios. But that's not the word John uses here. No, John uses the other Greek term for life, and that's this, zoe life. And Zoe life is what speaks to those deeper questions of our heart, of meaning, of purpose, of fulfillment, and everything else we've been talking about today that John is telling us that in Jesus, there is this Zoe life. And this Zoe life is the light of all mankind. This is how John begins the story of Jesus going all the way back to the beginning. But he doesn't stop there. Now, John goes on to tell us that there is this pivotal moment in time when eternity breaks through into history. Eternity, timeless eternity, breaks through into time-bound history, where the pre-existent Son of God now also becomes Jesus of Nazareth. John chapter 1, verse 14, the Word became flash, the eternal pre-existent Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He visited our planet. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. 
That this glorious creator through whom all things were made now becomes this helpless infant. And yet he also doesn't stop being the eternal word of life, of light. And so here's the paradox, right? That as the one and only son of God, this Jesus is nothing like us. And yet as one who became flesh and made his dwelling among us, he is exactly like us. Well, this Jesus with Mary and Joseph as his earthly parents grew up in the small Galilean village of Nazareth. He lived a relatively nondescript, low-key life. As an adult, he worked as a skilled craftsman alongside his human father until around age 30 when he was called to ministry by his heavenly father. And all throughout his ministry, Jesus not only confronts these big life questions like, why are we here? He not only performs these science-defying miracles, which pointed people to these three essential realities, there is a God, you have a soul, both are eternal, right? But he also provided answers about this capital L life that we're all longing for, right? This Zoe life that he possessed before time began, the Zoe life that only he can provide. So look at what John says later on in John chapter 10, verse 10. That now Jesus, as a grown man, carrying out the ministry of the kingdom of heaven here on this earth, John records these words from Jesus, where Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I love that. The reason Jesus came is so that we could enjoy life and have it to the full. That the eternal Word left the glories of heaven. He entered into the messiness of our world to bring us this capital L life. Why? So that you and I could experience life to its absolute fullest. That meaning, purpose, fulfillment, and everything else you and I have been searching for are ultimately found in Jesus and him alone. And Jesus does so in the midst of all kind of darkness that tries to blind us from seeing his glory. So the thief that Jesus refers to here is also unseen, but he's not eternal. That thief is Satan, the devil, the deceiver, the enemy of our souls, the one who plays on our fears and appeals to our pride. He will steal, he will kill, he will destroy, he will distract, he will discourage, he will tempt, he will do anything to keep us from embracing that capital L life that Jesus wants us to enjoy. And so as you go a little further in John's gospel, chapter 14, verse 6, verse 7, Jesus' message about this life becomes even more direct. Take a look at what Jesus says. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life, that no one comes to the Father. No one comes to know God except through me, because if you really know me, you will know, not know about, know personally, my Father as well, this God, right? So Jesus is, you know, he's raising the stakes. He's not just saying, I have life. He's not just saying, I bring life. He's not just saying, I give life. No, now he's just coming out and saying, I am life. Jesus says, I am life. How does your soul, your eternal soul, connect with the eternal God? Jesus says it is through him and him alone. I am the way and the truth. In the life. In other words, that the life that our souls hunger for is Jesus Himself. It's Jesus Himself. That's why in John chapter 6, 
He declares this, verse 35. I am the bread of life. Zoe life, not bios life. I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. You know he's not talking about physical hunger, right? No, he's talking about your spiritual longings. He's talking about satisfaction for your soul. He is talking about deep, lasting fulfillment. He is talking about life with a capital L. Life that is ours when we come to him and truly believe. And so that's what this series is about. And you know what? That's what this church is about too. We are. We are about Jesus. We are about the life he came to bring us. And he are, we are about the life he wants us to experience to the fullest possible extent. That's why our mission statement here at Hopevale goes like this. We are a community of grace and truth. That grace and truth we lifted directly from John 1.14, right? And we are inviting people to this life by knowing and following Jesus, right? We're inviting you, we're inviting the people in our community to know and to follow Jesus with us together. Why? Because to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, that's where life with a capital L is found. And so as I begin to wrap up today, I want to leave you with these two final challenges as we think about this life. As we think about those realities that there is a God, you have a soul and both are eternal. Here's the first challenge. Enter into life by knowing Jesus personally as your Savior. How does this life that Jesus came to bring become your own? You enter into that life by knowing Jesus personally as your Savior. See, there is a God and he is the most supreme being in the entire universe. And you have a soul that is the most precious part of who you are. Both are eternal, and it is only through Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life that the eternal God and your eternal soul come together. It is only through Jesus and no one else. And so the John that we've been talking about puts it this way in another book of the New Testament, 1 John 5, verse 11, verse 12. And this is the testimony. Here's the truth. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son, this capital L life, right? Now look at this. Whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life, right? There's not multiple options. There are two options. Either you have the son or you don't have the son, right? It can't get any more straightforward than that. Either you believe in Jesus, you believe in this eternal word that entered our world, that died on the cross, that rose from the dead, so that you could enter into life, or you don't, right? See, Jesus, here is where life begins. And so I want to invite you today to enter into that life that Jesus came to bring you by knowing him personally as your Savior. What does it mean to know Jesus personally as your Savior? It means this. It's not just knowing about. It's knowing personally. It's confessing your need to God. Your need that you need a savior for your sins and it is believing, trusting that Jesus alone is that savior for you. It's something you can express simply to God in prayer and a little bit as I close in prayer, that can be a moment for you, but it's also a decision, a commitment you can make in the privacy of your own home later today, right? Because in the end, it's 
It's not what you do. It's just that cry of desperation, that cry of faith from your eternal soul to the eternal God that you need Jesus. Enter into life by knowing Jesus personally as your Savior. That's where it starts, but that's only the beginning of the journey because there is a second challenge. And the challenge is this, to experience more of life by following Jesus fully as your Lord. Experience more of life by following Jesus fully as your Lord. See, when Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full, he is talking about something, an experience so much bigger, so much better than any of us have ever tasted yet. So yes, entering into life is incredible. It truly is. But experiencing more of this life, it is even better. And that's what lies before us. That is the journey we all take from now all throughout this life and beyond into all eternity, right? And so that's what we're going to look at over these next six weeks of this series, right? How you can follow Jesus more fully as your Lord. How you can grow as a Christian and how we as a church can help you do that because that's why we're here, to enter more fully into that life. Now, I have a lot more to say about that when we get there, but for today, it just starts with your willingness starts with your openness. It starts with a desire in you to want to find life in Jesus and not in anyone or anything else, right? And then it's you, by you know, the grace of God, having a commitment to do whatever it takes to get there. So today, I just invite you to be open, right? To surrender all of your life to Jesus once again because it is in him and him alone, where capital L life is truly found. I want to pray for everyone here, including myself. So as I do that, I want to invite you to stand. Stand in Bay City as well. And let's pray together. <coughs> Almighty God, the one who has existed before time began, the one who is the bedrock of these essential realities. The one who created everything we see and everything we don't see. Because you created us, you created our soul. Our eternal soul that is longing and searching for a missing piece that Jesus came to bring. That everything else we are chasing the bigger home, the better car. Those things are empty. You know, Jesus came, you came so that we might know life, experience life, and have it to the full. And so God, in this moment, I want to invite those who have never trusted you personally as their Savior to take that step to enter into and to embrace the life that only you can give. God, thank you that no matter our past, no matter what we've done, we're never too far to wave the white flag of surrender and to call upon you in faith and desperation as our Savior. And then, Lord, for those of us here who may know you as Savior, we don't want to coast. We don't want to become stale. 
But God, we want to be open and we want to enter more fully into that life that you, Jesus, came to bring. A life that, ironically, paradoxically, is found in our surrender. And so, God, we pray this with open hands and open hearts, saying, Jesus, we invite you into all of our lives. Lead us, guide us, show us, convict us where we can lay down the us so that we can embrace you. God, it is our heart more than anything else to enter into this life and to build our lives, Jesus, on you and you alone. This we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. You know, uh, this uh, this sermon in this series um, kind of all starts with the, the love of God that we have and the realization of that. And so there's this thing that um, I think is so important for us, friends, that we uh, consider what it means to love God and put him first in everything that we do. And uh, it's like you go to a wedding, you hear 1 Corinthians 13, and uh, so, you know, love is patient, love is kind, and doesn't boast, and all those things. I heard somebody say once that replace the word love uh, and put the word God in it. So God is patient, God is kind, and it's all those things. And, um, you know, so if we're going to uh, build our life on anything, we build it on the love of God that we have um, and all those things that he is, patience and kindness and all those fruits of the Spirit that Galatians 5 lays out. So. Let's worship with one more song before we roll out today and go to lunch and do family things and different kinds of stuff. And Let's just give God our attention just for a few more minutes and have him hear us and hear our dedication. Take us in, Jeff.
when we sing about Jesus and we say, holy, there is none like you, we got a glimpse of that because in the beginning was the word. Thanks be to God that out of his great love, the word didn't stay in the comfort of heaven. He entered the messiness of this world and entered into the messiness of your life, died on the cross, rose from the dead so that you could build your life on him. A firm foundation, everything else will crumble, I'm going to tell you right now. We praise God for his firm foundation, his son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So next week, we're going to continue the series and talk about how we experience more of that life by building our life with Jesus. As you go from here, may you be encouraged and filled with the capital L life that Jesus alone wants to give you. God bless you.